this new Republican obsession with manliness. Maybe it's crazy like a fox. Mm, I'm Bert Cohen, and with your help, we are keeping democracy alive. What's going on? He's not breathing. Can you get a pulse? Barely. Call a code. Get Nambia back from the nurse's station. Heart's still working, means synapses are still firing. We just need to get a message through. It didn't get a lot of notice. The main reaction to recent rather bizarre words by Missouri Senator Josh Hawley has been to dismiss them as just more in the usual string of this out there, far right wing's wacky pronouncements. In a recent speech at the National Conservatism Conference, the first term senator joined neo fascist dictators from around the world in drawing attention away from real issues to an alleged crisis of manliness. Such talk rooted in 19th century myths of muscular white Christian male dominion over the world to many might seem patently archaic and irrelevant to the politics of 2022. However, it would be foolhardy to dismiss his remarks. Unlike Trump's impulsive tweets, they were not off-the-cuff, shoe-from-the-hip words. In fact, they were no doubt well-researched tools we should expect to be picked up by the Trumpist right as we head into November's elections. It may be nuts, but like the widespread anti-vaccine sentiment, there's a lot of it. Hawley is but one of the warriors for some fanciful, rather medieval notion of manliness. And it's a serious threat. With us today is Liza Featherstone, whose new article on the topic grabbed my attention and deserve yours as well. The title of the New York Times article is Josh Hawley and the Republican Obsession with Manliness. As she writes, Mr. Hawley is tapping into something real, a widespread, politically potent anxiety about young men that is already helping the right. End of her quote. Ms. Featherstone is a journalist who writes frequently about the politics of gender and has a 15-year-old son. Well, thanks so much for being with us, uh, Liza Featherstone. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Bert. Well, I am amazed how often I am reminded of what a friend, a local Unitarian minister, told me some 30 years ago. He said, Bert, there's only two things that motivate people in politics, fear and reassurance. Mm-hmm. And psychologists know all too well that behind hate, rage, and violence is intense fear. Politicians of the right skillfully manipulate this fear. And I suspect there are many factors coming together in the fear behind this assertion of the need for a resurgence of manliness. What do you think some of those anxieties are? Yeah, well, I think some it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a combination of factors, and um, some of them are um, social change you know that the role of men and women have um you know the roles of men and women have have changed it's not so it's not so clear cut um anymore and right. some of that is due to social proge- progress that um personally i support you know that yes, you know women I. can yeah. <laughs> women can uh, enter the workforce and um you know humans can be gay and um, transgender and all of those things are um, are you know important um, aspects of um, of human freedom that um, that I think some people find um, very threatening. So there's a fear there, um, but there's also um, there's also some um, other 
uh, you know, and I, I would cut, I would put those in the category of um, irrational fears, although we have to try to understand where they're coming from. Right. Um, but, um, but, uh, but I think there's also some um, rational fears as well. Um, so, you know, with deindustrialization over the years, mm-hmm. with um, you know, with a um, loss of manufacturing in the United States, many um, many men um, lack um, a um, good way to make a living and support their families and contribute to the prosperous communities, yes. um, and also the, a way to contribute to kind of a national project, you know, of, you know, that, um, you know, that, that sort of making things and being part of a country that makes things. Um, I think that, um, I think people, um, um, particularly, um, men, um, feel, um, that is a real loss and that, um, and the, and the fear of, um, you know, being um, being poor, not being able to make a living, um, but also the fear of being um, irrelevant and not yes. having a purpose. And I think that those are um, those are really um, um, those are perhaps more rational fears that um, and and fears that we're we're perhaps um, better equipped to um, attend to and address. Yeah, we can do that economically for sure. And and when I grew yeah. up in the 50s, yes, I am that old, it was common mm-hmm. for the male to be the sole breadwinner. That's how mm-hmm. it was in my home and in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. like the whole area. There was mm-hmm. real pride by the men in what they yeah. could do for their families and their communities. One mm-hmm. result, as you say, of deindustrialization is real depression among men. Men yeah. often, oftentimes blame themselves. They turn the upset inward. They say, well, it's mm-hmm. my fault. They don't, you know, and, and that doesn't help things. And you point out that while more women than men are diagnosed with anxiety or depression, men are more likely to commit suicide or die of drug yeah. overdoses. Mm-hmm. Unemployed yeah. men, as I say, often blame themselves. The myth of rugged individualism mm-hmm. leaves them hopeless. Talk about this, please. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, no, and and uh, those th- those those statistics, I think, are 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 really um, are, are really troubling, and and I think that um, um that there there is. There is a sense in which, as as you're implying, this sort of myth of ragged individualism um, is is something that um, was always much more expected of men. It was always much more expected that um, men would, um, you know, would work hard and succeed all by themselves without any help from anyone. And of course, no human does that like no human uh, succeeds without any help from anyone um, you know but um but but that that sort of that um that mythology nice. um is so much more harshly applied to men and as you suggest to men by themselves so when they fail or fall short they really turn against themselves and we see what um what bernie sanders and many other commentators have referred to as deaths of despair Mm. um you know among um, both men and women but we we see them um, particularly among among men particularly in some of these parts of the country where um, where where male unemployment is so high 
the expectations and, and unrealistic demands on themselves. It's, it's some mm-hmm. really tough stuff. And mm-hmm. we can address that. And I found it interesting that I believe it was President Obama who said uh, that people don't do it by themselves. And the right, right went nuts with that. Right, right. I think when uh, um, it, when I was like, I think he said this, and also Elizabeth Warren said this. The you didn't build that, um, right. you know, and and the um, which was, you know, which was a helpful breakdown of what was so wrong with the idea that individuals succeed all by themselves, and that therefore um, you should give that you. Should not make them pay taxes and uh, all all of that stuff, but uh, but it, that it was it really um, it inspired so much so much rage because people certainly want to believe that they they alone are responsible for their success. Yeah, it's it's myths are so reassuring, but they're not, they're not true. I mean, you know, it's just it's not true. That's why they're called myths. Right? Yeah, and the American West was to use a euphemism for aggressive racist violence, settled <clears throat> by white mm-hmm. men. There, there's mm-hmm. this, of course, cowboy image which has defined America to the world for well over 100 years. What is mm-hmm. the power today that Holly and others are, are seeking to restore to the prominence of that image, as you say, the, the iconic virility of the cowboy and the soldiers? What, what are they trying to restore yeah. there? Well, yeah, so... Um, so Holly, before he was a right wing um, politician, um, he was um, in in an earlier life, um, way back um, in um, you know 2006, 2007. Um, he was. Um, a, um, a scholarly type who um, wrote a, a very good book about Teddy Roosevelt uh-huh. for um, for Yale University Press, uh-huh. um, and um, and and it's a um, it's a pretty um, and it's it's a pretty sharp understanding of um, what um, what Roosevelt was was all about and the sort of um, you know that this very uh, sort of sickly um, yes. young man who um, didn't um, meet his um, father's or anybody else's standards for athletic masculinity, um, you know, which was very, um, um, which you know, which was which was very um, much a source of, of distress. Um, to him, yes. um, became um, um, famous and sort of captured the heart of the nation by uh, um, by um, a, you know sort of advocating a um, a robust um, masculine um, mm-hmm. ideal and um, and and it was really a um, um, an ideal that was very um, intertwined with um violence and conquest um you know so um conquest uh, you know expansion of the frontier um and um, and and conquest of the of 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 nature and um and of um american indians um and um and um and but it was also very much um a um imperialist vision of violence all over the all over the world um, we don't um 
hear very much these days about the um, imperialist um, U.S. projects um, in the in the Philippines, for example. Mm-hmm. But that was very that was very much um, a part of um, of of Roosevelt's um, of yes. Roosevelt's masculine ideal. Um, and I should say, I mean, I found it interesting that um, the young Josh Hawley, he's not even very old now, but this was, mm. um, um, but the uh, the young Josh Hawley was. Um, was distressed was distressed or at least said so um in his um book about um roosevelt um you know that he was distressed by his um that his definition of um of masculinity depended so much on racism and violence um and i thought that that was interesting because i'm not sure the current Josh Hawley would be quite as critical of that, um, but um, um, but um, but but what? But he did he did feel he was clearly very inspired by um, Roosevelt's um, call to men um, to participate in something larger than themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a broader sort of civic, um, a broader sort of sense of civic virtue. And, you know, taken alone, um, I don't think that's so terrible. I think he does have a point that um, that um, Americans and and probably especially um, male Americans um, do need more of a sense of purpose and civic belonging than they have now. You know, and so I don't think that I, as a progressive person, I'm going to like any of the directions that Josh Hawley might take this. Um, but, um, but that alone, I think, is not a terrible right. insight. Yeah, because people, men, women, a lot of people, I would think, I would hope everybody, but I'm sure it's not everybody, would like to feel like they're contributing and they're doing something. Yes. And and the yeah. whole that you mentioned virtue and you know that's one thing mm-hmm. people don't talk about much these days, but it was mm-hmm. essential uh to our our founders, to many of our founders talking about uh es- virtue as being essential for our republic mm-hmm. to remain a republic. Mm-hmm. Today mm-hmm. we lack any clear simple definition of, of of civic virtue do you think is there a hunger mm-hmm. for this that the forces against the right might be able to clarify because uh, mm-hmm. the, you know uh, holly advocates you know this going back to this myth that was never ever true but right. there must be other ways that we as men can contribute without having to you know be tough mm-hmm. macho you know cavemen kind mm-hmm. of guys yeah, I do. And, you know, I, I find it interesting that, um, I mean, you know, as, as, as you mentioned, I have a son, um, he's 16 years old. Um, and, um, and, you know, like a lot of um, young men, he doesn't read as much as his mother would like. <laughs> you know, this is really a common, a common thread um, among people these days. Um, and, uh, um, but I noticed that um, over the last few years, um, he 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 read and frequently reread um, a um, young adult novel about a, um, a a Danish kid in the resistance in World War II, during World War II. Uh-huh. And um, and I thought and and that you know sometimes you know he'll watch um, World War II movies and um, and and I thought you know that kind of um, makes sense you know that it's a 
World War II was really the last time that um, the liberal world um, had a problem to which men were the solution, right? You know, <laughs> I mean, it was like, right, and 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 where you know, and where men on mass were engaged in something that um, people. Um, did feel good about and continue to feel good about. Like we, my son and I go to a lot of ball games. And um, if you go to Yankee Stadium, um, they always recognize a veteran of the game. Um, and um, it's just like a, 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 a thing they do during the seventh inning stretch, right? Uh-huh. Like there's a veteran of the game um, and they stand up and you recognize them. And, um, and I started noticing um, over the years that um, these people were um, considering how few World War World War II veterans are left alive. Yeah. The veteran of the game is vastly disproportionately a World War II vet. Um, you know, it's like somebody um, very very old. Um, and and the reason I think the reason for that is 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 definitely that um, um, we feel a lot of nostalgia. For um, uh, for the for for, for these um, f- um, for these men who really had a um, a purpose and for a world that felt you know very clear on what <laughs> they what men needed to do yeah. right? Nos- you know nostalgia and, for, so, uh, for clarity you know back then for clarity and and civic and as you said civic virtue that um, that you know we we can't really we can't really feel good about our boys going off to um, fight in the post nine eleven wars, right? I mean, there isn't a, there isn't really a, any virtue to that, no. you know. I mean, and no, and and even even the most patriotic gung ho people um, don't really want to talk about those wars, you know. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, and you know, and 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 Vietnam, like we wow. just we just feel bad for those guys because they were so traumatized, um, but we don't feel good about their mission. Um, whereas like World War II, we look back on that and we're like, okay, you know, we, that was a, like, that was a, that was a necessary, and, yeah. you know, good thing to um, go and take out Hitler. Yeah. It was, it was pretty clear. You didn't want this guy to, to win the world. No doubt about it. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the, very, nostal- very clear. the nostalgia for the clarity, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's moral clarity. Yeah. Mor- moral clarity. And it's the world these days is, is confusing. It's changing. And there's mm-hmm. this, I think in a lot of people, you know, there's a wish, oh, life was simpler in the good old days. Well, not mm-hmm. necessarily the case, but at least it's an image right. that is reassuring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For those who may have yeah. just tuned in, Bert Cohen here, the show is Keeping Democracy Alive. And we're talking with Liza Featherstone, who's written an article in the New York Times titled Josh Hawley and the Republican Obsession with Manliness. And it isn't uh, just some off-the-cuff crazy remark of his. It's uh, He knows what he's doing. And we mm-hmm. talked about uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, who actually... 
the only sport he really did was tennis, but he would never allow yes. any photos of him in a tennis outfit, worrying it wasn't the <laughs> macho image he cultivated. And, and no doubt we... we <laughs> and to be fair, it really wouldn't have been. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, at least it's not a short skirt, but shorts, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and there's that staged image of him pretending to be a woodsman and the, the Rough Riders, that, you know, tough guy taking on nature. Uh, mm. and, and, you know, this image that he projected exemplifying masculinity. But more recently than Teddy Roosevelt, JFK also mm -hmm. talked about the strenuous masculine ideal. In his inaugural speech, he said, to those nations who would make uh, themselves our adversary, we dare not tempt them with weakness. Now, he did want to negotiate whenever possible, but he wanted to look tough, too. Though this reverence for manliness, it didn't define Kennedy completely, for sure. But I, I can mm -hmm. remember the talk of a new frontier. Yeah, a new frontier, mm -hmm. the conquering spirit mm -hmm. of the uniquely American male. What about that spirit indoors in our male population today that Holly seeks to ignite? Um, you know, it's funny listening to you describe Kennedy. Um, I'm thinking of a much more comical contemporary figure. Um, and I know you, you think I'm going to say Donald Trump, but actually, um, I live in New York City and we just elected a, um, a Democratic uh, mayor, Eric Adams. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and he, um, he, he definitely seeks to, um, um, mobilize um, a um, um, masculinity in his oh. own um, favor, and and uh, sort of anxieties about masculinity, and um, and um, and to um, and to exhort New Yorkers into a. Um, a, a sort of greater toughness and sense of wow. purpose um, like he's um he you know the he re, he opened he kept the schools open throughout through the recent um surge um which is a whole nother topic that i, I, I i'm not going to comment on but um but he he said uh um he he said we you know, we in New York we don't we don't let this get us down we have swagger yeah um, you know yeah. and um, and he said uh, he was questioned about he he was um, he was asked about some um, you know high profile um, rap stars that he was partying with um, and um, and he said yes I party with the boys and then I get up early with the men oh <laughs> you, know, and, you know it's like really kind of like outdated stuff especially uh, especially coming from a Democrat yes. um, but I think that he must um, but I think that I, th I think that he um, like Holly I think he must um, um, he must correctly um, have some sense that there's an appetite for that kind of um, um, male leadership, um, you know, and and a sort of a sense, even though like it, it seems it seems comical, and I just want to make jokes about it. <laughs> but um, but at the same time, um, at the same time, I think that um, I, I I think that there is. I think that there is a sense that um, um, men, um, you know, men are in need of example and yes. exhortation and um, and um, and and leadership and and to be fair, 
we don't have very much of that coming from the liberal side. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why, um, you know, I mean, and, you know, and, and when we do, it comes across so comically. Um, but, um, but I, I do, uh, I do think there is, um, um, that, you know, when, when Holly says, you know, men are being tired of being told that they're the problem, um, you know, that they're, you know, and, and it, it is, it is true that um, our side definitely has a lot of um, of criticism of men. Many, much of it, you know, correct criticism yes. of men, men behaving badly and yes. violently. Yes. Um, um, but um, but we don't have that. Um, we we don't have that strong a, a positive vision about what men might be doing differently. Uh, so yeah, it's going to take a while to, uh, to to articulate that to figure out what it is, and it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, the right makes fun of wokeness, and it is mm-hmm. difficult. I, you know, mm-hmm. feminism is all over the map in terms, and men, most men, you know, straight men don't know what the you know what am I supposed to be? You know, yeah, and, and like single men, boy, it's got to be tough. I would think, you know, mm-hmm. to, like how do you approach a, a woman? You don't obviously mm-hmm. touch her. You know, you don't do anything she doesn't want to do. But it's it's uh it's concerning and once again that mm-hmm. old yeah and if you send that text is it creepy i mean yeah i i i don't envy them right now it's true and i'm reminded once again of my friend uh uh the unitarian minister who's you know said fear and reassurance there is fear among a lot of straight men and the reassurance is being provided by this mythic image that uh, Josh Hawley and others are projecting, and even uh, your new mayor there. And I must say, Mm -hmm. I saw him recently after that terribly tragic fire, who was mincing his words very carefully. And and he, he, like, really... Horrible. Oh, I know. Well, good luck to him. I don't know if anybody could actually be an effective mayor of the city that big. Too big, yeah. too big to govern, and and talk about history. I, I I love history, and and people know I'm obsessed with the First World War, which really mm-hmm. never ended and became World War Two. But anyway, I recently mm-hmm. watched the 1930 version of All Quiet on the Western Front, mm-hmm. and there were many incidents in that incredible movement in which men were harangued by others about not being a real man. This mm-hmm. led, of course, to incredible industrialized slaughter that proved utterly without merit. It just nuts, mm-hmm. and so many died. And as again, related to the First World War, there was something called the White Feather Movement in England, where if a soldier-aged man was seen on the streets who was not at the front, women would present him with a white feather publicly shaming him as a coward and not a real man. And as it turns out, those men were sent to the front lines in vastly disproportionate numbers, and a lot of them died. (laughs) I didn't know this. Yeah, it's not very well known. Oh, there's so much to learn from that. But uh, this obsession with manliness, uh, what about that and foreign policy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that... um, um, I, th- I think that it's it 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 really crosses over into foreign policy right now. Um, we don't have much public debate about foreign policy. No. So in some, you know, I mean, be- uh, partly because 
um, we no longer have a, a draft um, in this country. So, um, so there's there isn't a um, a sense that the um, that the general public has a stake in our, our foreign mm-hmm. policy. Um, and um, and even though, like, of course we do, because um, because we have the we have the poverty draft, and you know, people mm. who um, if, um, like young young men who for whom the military is their best option yes. um, do end up fighting our wars. Um, but it isn't this thing where the children of the elite could be sent, um, and um, and um, and so it, it doesn't our. our I, our foreign policy doesn't become um, the, uh, the the subject of, of national debate in the same way that it used to. Um, but that said, um, I, I think that we we certainly see um, uh, I think we certainly see masculine posturing and um, mm-hmm. and polit- and political um, narratives. Um, crossing into um, into foreign policy and sort of this need to show that we're tough mm-hmm. and you know that and and this is by the way not just a right wing Josh Hawley type thing. I mean, we certainly see the Democrats um, posturing oh, on absolutely. on Russia and China and you know being. <sighs> tough with these countries whose policies you know we can absolutely do nothing about and um, i mean and you know and and who we really should just be trying to figure out how can we cooperate with them on um, on issues like climate change where we really have common ground um, and need to solve together um but but instead we are we you know we see a lot of um, um we see there, there a lot of sort of uh, yeah, like you described with the men in men during World War One, like there's a lot of baiting on like, mm. are you tough enough on these um, on these other countries? Um, and um, and and that certainly crosses it crosses into um, um, into into politics and um, and and creates a creates a kind of um, masculine um, pressure. Um, on um, on on the policymakers for sure. Yeah, they don't want to look weak. I mean, nobody back then wanted mm-hmm. to look weak on communism. They don't. Uh, Democrats and mm-hmm. Republicans didn't want to look weak on crime, mm-hmm. soft on crime, soft. That's Ooh, right. That's a scary word, soft. And someone posted recently on Facebook, "We become a wimpy nation." And mm-hmm. Lyndon Johnson said, "I don't want to be the first president to lose a war." Never mind that we mm-hmm. shouldn't have been there in the first place, and that now we're doing business with Vietnam. We could have been doing business with them mm-hmm. in the 1950s, but they have to look tough, Democrats and Republicans. And you're right; I, there's no clear alternative yet, but I, I do think mm-hmm. we're developing it. I will say um, I, I don't I don't like to say nice things about. Uh, um, very powerful people, <laughs> but um, but I I thought that it was brave of Biden to leave Afghanistan. Absolutely, it was the right. You know, and it was the right thing. To do. It was the right thing to do, and yes. and it 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 went. I I know that it was messy, and um, and that you know a lot a lot of um, tragic things happened in the process, um, and that some people did lose their lives, but. It was the end. It was it was right to end this oh, very um, um, awful um, chapter in their history and ours. Um, and um, and it was and it was um, 
you know, dare we say um, it was, um, you know, it, it takes a real man, you know, to actually do something for the cause of peace. So. Yeah, and I think I think you're tapping into something there, a real man. You know, a real man can, you know, if necessary, cry and show, is not afraid mm-hmm. to show, mm-hmm. you know, some pain and some emotion. And, uh, you know, the, the things that we do uh, to not show that, and what again? World War One. Sorry about that. I'm obsessed. The people. They were, no, I'm learning. Yeah. There, there were men who resisted, who said mm-hmm. this is a crazy thing, mm-hmm. and they were they t- were really brave. And there were some women too, uh, who resisted that, and and we sort of forget about that. But that's that's a kind of bravery and courage that I think is manly, not just following mm-hmm. along, at least my definition yeah. of, of manly. Yeah. And for those who for have sure. just tuned in, we're talking with Liza Featherstone about Josh Hawley and the Republican obsession with manliness. And again, Republicans are not alone in that, but Josh Hawley has made a thing about that. And I, I not to be cynical or anything, but uh, you know, there's an election, me cynical, right? There's an election mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> coming up, and uh, I, I wonder about uh, uh, the, the Hispanic population. That one of the largest and fastest growing constituencies in, constituencies in American politics is Hispanics. Large group up for grabs, mm-hmm. both parties anxiously courting them. Hispanic men tend to to be quite traditional in their views of the roles men must play. Again, not to be cynical or anything, could this be a factor in Holly's embrace of masculinity? Trying to grab yes, the Hispanic uh, Yes, and, and I would I would add um, that this is something that Hispanic men have in common with white men and black men and Men of uh, men of every kind, um, uh, but um, um, that uh, you know that that, that tra- you know tradi- some traditional ideas um, are, are pretty common throughout the population. But um, but yes, you're 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 zeroing in on some alarming trends for um, f- alarming trends for the Democrats, which are that um, that. Um, men, um, Hispanic men and black men, um, when um, uh, Trump from 2016 to 2020 um, Increased his vote share mm-hmm. in both with both of those groups, mm-hmm. even though as 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 we know he fortunately lost the election, um, but um, but still um, th- that that that's important um, data to, um, to to look at, and for sure Josh Hawley is looking at that data and realizing, yeah, um, um, his, Hispanic and black yeah, voters yes. don't 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 love. Republicans, but we seem to be making some inroads with men, and yes. he's realizing that it's that masculinity is an is an issue that um that can be kind of a um, a rainbow coalition <laughs> for the, for the Republicans, Whoa. and um and and I think that it, yeah, it's it's insightful of you to bring that up because I think that's absolutely something that is going on um, for in Josh Hawley's mind. And it's and it's smart and it's and the Democrats should be thinking really hard about 
how um, how do we counter that? It is it is tough, no doubt about it. And uh, the culture war, you know, it, it, what does mm-hmm. that have to do with with what members of Congress, the House, and the Senate can actually do? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think much, if anything. And yet, mm-hmm. and yet. The culture war has basically, it's like defining American politics these days all over. And mm-hmm. and you talk a little, uh, you mentioned black men as well as Hispanic men. And the masculine ideal, which Holly talks of, I am reminded, maybe I shouldn't be, of the rage that white men had about black men cavorting with what they called our women. I wonder mm-hmm. about that. If if that, you know, it's like uh, we own them, you know, and and you know, mm-hmm. how dare the black men mm-hmm. and, and and they use that? It was some kind of a part of the masculine ideal. Your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I th- think that I mean one of the found one of this um, sort of moments that really sparked the early civil rights movement in the nineteen um, fifties was um, the um, um, the so a, a couple of high-profile incident incidents where um, a black man was right. was was seen as flirting with a right. white woman and was and was killed by an angry violent white mob of men um and um and and so you know ex- and and the sort of um um the um, the 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 realization among Black Americans of how unjust that was, um, and um, and and the sort of confrontation with those violent sexual dynamics mm-hmm. are really precisely what sparked the civil rights mo- movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, you know that, and we don't we don't we don't really pay enough attention to that. I think um, so. No, you're right. I mean that you know masculinity isn't. Um, isn't isn't all one thing it's not just like you know you're a you're a man and you enjoy your male privilege it has to be constantly defended in all kinds of ways mm-hmm. um and and very um and very violently so um so um yeah for sure there um th- there has um always been a lot of anxiety among white men that um that maybe maybe black men are um more masculine mm. maybe they're uh, maybe they're uh, you know maybe they're better at pleasing women like that you know like there's all kinds of fantasies um, and insecurities um, around that that have played out in very um, very disturbing ways I think that those are um, now you know it, with um, I think our society has now um, come to a place where those particular tensions are a bit more under the surface, um, but I don't think that they have gone away. Yeah, I was naive enough to think when we elected a black president that that might be a blow against racism. Boy, was I wrong. Mm. Oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. was yeah. I wrong. And, you know, the, the, the concern about, you know, men are this way, women are that way. Nice myth, not true. And I recently did a show, very interesting to me, about uh, genders and how, you know, we've had this incredible repression against uh, uh, homosexuals for the years. Trans Mm -hmm. people scared the heck out of them. And recently, Mm -hmm. in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, where where we're coming from, there was a demonstration that made some national news by 
neo-fascists, and they called themselves neo-fascists, against mm -hmm. a local theater that was putting on a play with men in drag. And the, mm -hmm. the uh, protesters held a big sign that said... <laughs> a tradition that goes back to Shakespeare. Of and course earlier. it does. Of course yeah. it does. It's always been... I mean, it's not like homosexuality is something new and that men in drag are something new. <laughs> you know, it's always been there. They held a big sign that said, drag queens are pedophiles. And talk about Shakespeare. So Shakespeare yeah. said, methinks thou protest too much. You know, like For real. maybe yeah. they're terrified of trans people. I don't really understand this fear, but, mm. but I, I think it's something about lost, rigid, masculine dominance. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that, you know, when they talk about pedophilia, you know, they, they made up this insane story about Hillary Clinton that they mm -hmm. did. I mean, what the heck is this, you know, obsession with pedophilia? I, I, they, oh, it's so strange. The, the the pedophilia thing is is so odd, and I can't um, claim to understand it. Um, right. Especially, um, I mean, I, I guess I guess what one one thing that we can that we do know uh, a useful concept from um, psychoanalysis is that of projection, yes. um, and that um, and we do know that um, straight men are the most likely Absolutely. people to molest children, mm. and so 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 when when there are these panics around um, around gay men as as pedophilia pedophiles or trans people as pedophiles, there um, that we we do know that there has to be an element of projection there because it that is so uncommon um compared um to um the heterosexual predators um, and um, and um predators in general aren't really even nearly as common as the panic around them is <laughs> you know so there it's it really is a um um it it really is a strange thing and then there's um and then it's um it's also um it's also baffling um that um a entirely fictional um con internet conspiracy around um around a pedophile ring of liberals the QAnon conspiracy um, that that has become um, such a driving force in American politics. I mean, you know, I mean, and really sort of um, draw, drawing people in and drawing them, uh, you know, to the to the far right. I mean, it's really, um, um, it's. I mean, it's 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 really monstrous. I mean, if I could if I could hazard a, a guess, I would say that. Um, that um, there are a lot of things in our world making people feel very vulnerable and scared, um, and um, and there is something, um, and and there is there is something in the um, in the identification with um, with um, very vulnerable children um, that people are uh, you know people are sort yeah. of putting themselves in that place and. Um, and uh, and imagining um, that the world is just full of um, of of these um, of of these of these bad pedophiles. Um, I mean, of course, there are pe pedophiles in yeah, the world, but the specific yeah. things that they're saying are 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 not true. And uh, yeah, I think that um, 
Um, I, I, I do think there's also a bit um, go, going back to the sort of um, need for moral clarity, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, if there was a ring of pedophiles kidnapping children, um, you know, and, um, and if there were powerful liberals doing that, we would certainly all feel very righteous in opposing them, right? I mean, that that would be something really bad that we could get behind, right? You know, so yeah. so so it, so it may be sort of uh, also that people are searching around um, for something um, really evil to be against, right? Um, be, be, because the um, because um, so much of the world is kind of a uh, um, a, a murky gray area, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And, and I would think, so, you know, since pedophilia is so, you know, such a terrible crime, and so yeah. so evil. Ah, they found something that everybody can agree on is evil. And if the right yeah. wing owns it, aha, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it, right. it can be useful to them. One of the other yeah. things that I, I, I find interesting about uh, what uh, Senator Hawley was saying, the threats of pornography. Now, I think it's interesting. The reality, clearly, all the research shows the internet use of pornography occurs largely in the Bible Belt. But this mm-hmm. this demographic, the right wing, rails against pornography, and mm-hmm. it, 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 the states with a, a less dense populations that vote tend to vote right wing uh, use more pornography than other areas. Uh, mm-hmm. What about this? Yeah, well, I mean, I should say, like, I am the kind of like I am the the sort of libertine cosmopolitan person who rolls my eyes when people get mad about pornography um but um but at, at the but the thing is um i mean when when josh hawley says young men are um are you know becoming too addicted to pornography right. and um and video games right um you know there there are i i think that you can you can you can read that concern i think that concern will resonate with people not just in a sort of um moralistic sort of christian sense of like you know pornography is is bad because it's sex um like i think that that concern will resonate because um because it's like in in excess playing video games or watching pornography suggest that you don't have a lot going on uh-huh, in your life. Uh-huh. You know, like yeah. and and it it and those are sort of the those are sort of markers of isolation, boredom, like just like not um you know like like maybe like maybe not um having a real life um romantic right. interest, maybe not having a job. I mean and yeah. those are all causes for concern, you know? And right. so right. I, so so I think that when um I think when Holly says that, you know, he's he's both meaning to whip up his very conservative ba- culturally conservative base that doesn't like pornography, but I think he's also kind of reaching out to um, like moms like me that want to make sure that their 
kids are getting outdoors and being engaged and not in their rooms looking at pornography, you know? I mean, not because pornography is bad, but because you should have more going on in your life. From, uh, yeah, you know? interesting, interesting point. And, and if you have some meaning and stuff, I mean, I don't do any video games. I don't, you know, and it's like, why do... Uh, you know, having so much time on your hands and meaningless. You're right. Mm -hmm. I can I can see that. And yeah. you know, FDR was I think one of our, our greatest presidents. And we talked about you know the the myth oh, of rugged individualism. Mm -hmm. Nonsense. It, it, the The right wing talks about the nanny state. They get they hate the idea of the nanny mm -hmm. state. But FDR's New Deal created a lot of jobs and mm -hmm. greatly enhanced what I consider a real national security. The men of the Depression mm -hmm. had their pride restored right. by being part of tremendous public works jobs. I mean, you read about mm -hmm. those jobs. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And you know, talk about feeling good about yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But this is conveniently ignored. What about this aggressive rejection, this, this belief you know, insistence on a nanny state. Why do they use that term? And in what ways did the New Deal so uniquely and effectively address the lost male pride, which brings up Build Back Better, you know, mm -hmm. like, like New Deal yep. version two? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because um, it's it's funny. Um, um, I um, My late father-in-law, who had also served in World War II, um, he he had served in World War II, but what he actually talked about a lot more was the experience of um, during the Great Depression, uh -huh. um, serving in um, in FDR's Civilian Conservation uh -huh. Corps. Yes, um, and um, at, which was um, a program that I, um, I know you know this, but just like uh, for for people listening, yeah, was yeah. Um, a um, uh, um, was a program for unemployed young men during the Great Depression to um, go out into the country and uh, into the nation and um, and re like rebuild our national parks and you know fix bridges and Absolutely. you know uh, clear brush uh, you know clear brush and you know all this stuff um, that, that you know and you know just in, and just just generally make our public um, places great again <laughs> um, and um, <laughs> um, and uh, um, and so um, so uh, you know he um you know this is uh, like uh, you know uh, uh, like um a man who had lived a very full and long life um, and was uh, like in his um in his 90s um and he would st he would still talk about what um, a, a wonderful experience that had been, um, and and the, um, the the friends he made from all over the country, and like the sort of shared sense of purpose, and um, and what a great president FDR had been mm -hmm. to make all that happen, and to allow his very poor family to survive the depression. And it's interesting because we're actually in need of stuff like that. Really Right now, Absolutely. I mean, you know, we, you know, and um, I would like to just first of all mention that Josh Hawley, for all his concern about um, about men um, and their lack of purpose, did not vote for the bipartisan 
infrastructure bill mm. that would have given lots of men great purposeful jobs. I mean, did in fact, because it did pass despite some Republicans like like Holly. Um, but um, but you know, we'll we'll give um, lots of men very um, oh, you know yeah. great purposeful jobs um, rebuilding our nation's infrastructure alongside women and trans people sure. and anyone else who wants to do those jobs. Um, and uh, but on the civilian conservation corps. Uh, Civilian, the young climate advocates um, uh-huh. have been asking for something similar um, for a, um, a a climate conservation core um, that would um, that that would do um, environmental conservation work um, and um, and would put young people to work um, doing um, doing those that that kind of very much needed work now mm-hmm. and um, and you know while it's it's not um, gender specific in the way that FDR's right. program was because um, we don't live in that world anymore where only men need to go to work mm-hmm. um, but I think that um, we could certainly, the the physicality of that and the larger purpose yes. of that could certainly um, bring um, a lot of um, of purpose and um, yeah. and and meaning to um, a lot of men's lives. Well, my father, I think probably all men of that age look back with tremendous fondness on on the New Deal and the the various mm-hmm. different public works jobs as as you know, being good for the country and good for the individuals to build up their spirit, mm-hmm. to build up their confidence, to address the problems mm-hmm. that Holly is using, you know, as, as a political uh, lever to, uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, they want to own it themselves. There's so much that could be done with the Build Back Better. I mean, building mm-hmm. roads yes. and bridges and new electric sources. It's tremendous possibilities. And mm-hmm. I think if that ever were to happen, people feel like, oh, what are we afraid of? You know, it's pretty mm-hmm. darn good. Well, yeah. you, you know, it. Th- there's this thing about toxic masculinity. Uh, the progressive side has struggled to articulate what non-toxic masculinity might look like and where boys might look for models of how to become men. You know, it, liberals are hesitant to wage into this culture war, mm-hmm. but uh, one can think of ways to be a good man without this old-fashioned machismo, this myth. What mm-hmm. are some new ways, do you think, to embrace feminism and multi-gender 21st century realities that can address this mm-hmm. fear that, that, that so many men have and that Holly's tapping into? Mm-hmm, hmm Well, I think, um, I, I think, I think definitely, um, um, I think, I think definitely, you know, broad projects for the common good definitely um you know you know definitely can help um create new scripts uh, new scripts that are if not exclusive if not uh, you know we we can't we can no longer see things like this as exclusively masculine but we could see them as inclusive Uh of masculinity Uh you know we could see that we you know we could see these um we, we could see these kinds of projects as um you know as 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 welcoming of um of some of the things that we associate with masculinity like you know sort of strength and purpose and all that stuff um and i think um and we certainly do um need 
to um, re, you know to recommit to a, a larger um, yeah, to absolutely. to a, to a, a, a sense of of commitment to um, you know uh, to to our society. I mean, we really have a lot of problems to solve, and we do need men. We need yes. all hands on deck. All hands on deck yeah. for sure. And and I, I actually agree with Josh Hawley on one thing he said in that mm-hmm. speech, which was, and you probably know, I'm going to say to each man, I say. You can be a tremendous force for good. Your nation mm-hmm. needs you. The world needs mm-hmm. you. I'm That's on the right. left, and I completely agree. And I think there are possibilities yeah. uh, that that can happen. And I wish, you know, the, it's like you know, during the Vietnam War, the left allowed the right to own the American flag. That was wrong, in my opinion, because it's mm-hmm. our flag too. And I think we have an opportunity now to to articulate it and to to not shy away from this non-issue that's being used by them. I mean, it's not a political mm-hmm. issue. It's a cultural issue. Uh, do you see any sign that the left is starting to be up to the challenge? Um, <laughs> well... <laughs> she hesitates. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> well, um, that's a... Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I think that um, the left is really... Um, kind of at a crossroads on this because um we're um partly partly because we're we have um been on such a roll um with the the, um with the exposure of toxic masculinity as you put it um and the um and combating that but I, i do think um i mean i i i do i do notice that for the center left, um, you know, in terms of winning, winning big elections, mm-hmm. um, we still have been winning big elections with um, men who who do um, project um, some kind of mm. uh, alternative model, some something that is a little bit something that is not toxic but that is nonetheless masculine. Uh-huh. I mean I noticed that, you know, Biden is no like cowboy. Right. But you know um, but you know, as I said, like, you know, he was man enough to get out of Afghanistan. He talks about his emotions. He's had a very yes. hard life. He talks about grief. He talks about tough stuff. And I think that there's something to be said for that. And I would actually, I would put um, in a completely different way. I think people appreciated the example of Bernie Sanders Mm -hmm. as like, you know, somebody who, you know, doesn't, doesn't try to not be like a a man, you know, doesn't try to sort of, he just shows up, he is a man. and, And, you know, and he's like, you know, despite his, like his, he's very um, far along in years and right. like shooting hoops with young people, and you know, he's, and, like but, he's got certain qualities that are traditionally um, yeah. admired in men, and also, um, you know, that that sort of steadfastness of sticking to your beliefs all these years, yes. you know, yes. which is another kind of Good um, manliness being a real man in a good way. I do think we have these figures that um, yep. that show a new way of being and, and new that show men new ways of being. Um, we don't make much of them because, you know, progressives just feel awkward talking about yeah, them. It's true, but we really yeah. ought to do that. And people, yeah. per, people mm-hmm. certainly, one of the things people admired about Bernie Sanders and still do is his bravery. 
He yes. says it is. And, and my people would say he's a real mensch. This has been a yes, fascinating absolutely. discussion. <laughs> Liza Featherstone, thank you so much. The article in the New York Times was called Josh Hawley and the Republican Obsession with Manliness. Thank you so much for being with us today. Very interesting stuff. Thank you, Bert. My pleasure. You've plenty of men, haven't you? Plenty, sir. Plenty of what? Sir. Men, sir. What? Men. What? Men. 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 It's great to be on a ship with men and sail across the sea. Oh, we don't know where we'll land or when, but it's great to be with men. There's men above, there's men below, there's men down in the galley. There's Butch and Spike and Buzz and Biff and one guy we call Sally. One guy we call Sally. Men, men, men. It's a ship. All filled with men, you'll never have to lift a seat. There's no one here but men, 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 men. We are keeping democracy alive. Twice a week, every week, subscribe. Don't miss a single one on the website, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher.